This podcast is brought to you by the American Thoracic Society. We help the world breathe. Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blue Podcast. My name is John Fleedham, and I'm a physician and clinical scientist in the Division of Respiratory Medicine at the University of British Columbia, Vancouver, Canada. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Luigi Tranto and Andrew Wellman, who are the first and senior authors of a recent article entitled, The Combination of Atonoexetine and Oxybutrin Greatly Reduces Obstructive Sleep Apnea Severity, a Randomized Placebo-Controlled Double-Blind Crossover Trial. Dr. Taranto is an instructor in medicine uh, at the Brigham and Women's Hospital at the Harvard Medical School. And Dr. Wellman is an associate professor of medicine and director of the Sleep Disorder Breathing Lab at Brigham and Women's Hospital and Harvard Medical School. Also joining us is Dr. Seba Polotsky, who wrote an accompanying editorial. Dr. Polotsky is professor of medicine and director of sleep basic research at John Hopkins University of Medicine in Baltimore. Uh, thank you all for joining us today. Now, before we start um, talking about the trial, I, I want to say whether I could ask you, why do we actually need alternative treatments for obstructive sleep apnea? Oh, it's a great question. So, um, as we all know, uh, sleep apnea is a very common disorder, affecting maybe it's up to 25 to 30 percent of adult population. And it's still uh, continuous positive airway pressure remains the mainline treatment. Um, and it's a very um, effective treatment, but it's not very efficacious treatment um, because only 50% of patients really are compliant with this. Um, so the alternative uh, is mandibular advancement devices, but there is no pharmacotherapy. And uh, given that um, adherence to mainline treatment is, is poor, uh, and uh, so the, the alternative uh, therapy, which would be pharmacotherapy, is, is really badly needed. And so far, there is no pharmacotherapy. So, Andrew, in this trial, um, a combination of a norepinephrine reuptake inhibitor, uh, a tomoexetine, and a muscarinic blocker, uh, oxybutrin, were used. Uh, can you outline the background and how uh, you selected these drugs and, and then used them in combination? Sure. Um, in principle, there should be no reason why we couldn't use a pharmacotherapy for obstructive sleep apnea because, um, as we know, the disorder does not occur when you're awake. Um, so there's something about sleep that uh, leads to relaxation in the muscles that surround the upper airway, and that leads to obstruction. And we know the process of going to sleep is a neurochemical process where um, certain chemicals, like the ones that we're trying to give pharmac pharmacologically, uh, decrease when you go to sleep. And um, for many years, and right when I was coming on the scene as a research scientist, serotonin was thought to be the major neurotransmitter that was lost when you go to sleep. And if you could replace that in certain areas of the brain, then that would prevent the muscle relaxation in the upper airway that leads to upper airway obstruction and sleep apnea. Um, but a lot of 
people gave serotonin type drugs and they didn't seem to work. Um, and there was also, uh, meanwhile, some research suggesting that a loss of noradrenaline in the brainstem respiratory centers was important for the upper airway muscle relaxation at sleep onset. But no one had really given those drugs, probably for good reason, because many of the noradrenergic type drugs are wake activating. But uh, this drug, atomoxetine, um, children take for ADD, and we just had the idea that maybe people could take that drug and still sleep, and it might give them that norepinephrine that they lost when they, with sleep onset. And the reason for adding the anti-muscarinic oxybutynin is because of recent work by Horner's lab showing that um, actually during REM sleep, you get inhibition of the brainstem respiratory neurons, the hypoglossal motor neurons, that leads to uh, inhibition of the muscles, activation of the muscles in the upper airway. And so we added the oxybutynin as to block that muscarinic uh, inhibition, thinking that both drugs together would um, treat non-REM and REM sleep uh, and, and activate the muscles in both of those stages. So just to follow up on that, um, uh, these two drugs, I think they're both currently approved, uh, one for ADHD and the other one for overactive bladders. Um, did you use conventional doses in the trial? Yes, um, we used, this is just a single night study. Um, and so we wanted to use uh, medium to medium high doses uh, to try to get the effect that we were looking for. Um, but yes, they were within the approved ranges. So Luigi, let's, let's move on to the, the trial itself. What, what were the objectives of the trial? So we uh, tried to design uh, the trial in a pragmatic way. Uh, we are a physiology lab, so we like some uh, mechanistic approach. But at the same time, we understand that uh, uh, the impact of this study uh, would have been bigger if uh, we put also some clinical outcome. And so um, basically our primary outcome was the uh, apnea-hypopnea index, which is uh, the usual metric of uh, sleep apnea severity. And the secondary outcome was the uh, genuglossus muscle uh, responsiveness, uh, meaning the activation of the genuglossus uh, related to the effort that the patient uh, used to breathe uh, during sleep. So it was a single night study. Um, how did you select the patients? So uh, we, uh, we ran uh, several uh, trials of this kind uh, in our lab. And uh, uh, we generally tend to include uh, uh, a wide range of patients. We only exclude uh, patients uh, uh, basically um, if they are taking the medication that we are studying for example, or if they have uh, severe cardiovascular or uh, um, neuromuscular disease uh, that can uh, uh, affect the results of the studies. So in this case in particular, uh, basically we, we screened 28 patients and uh, we excluded uh, uh, two because they were already taking some uh, uh, norepinephrine reuptake inhibitors for depression. 
and uh, other patients uh, just gave the consent but uh, at the beginning, but they didn't show up for the study at the beginning. So um, then uh, we studied 22 patients and uh, two did not come back uh, for uh, the second night. They did only one night, so they skipped the, uh, the second part of the study. Uh, other uh, exclusion criteria uh, that we used uh, were um, um, basically, uh, as usual, uh, women, uh, pregnant women were not included, uh, and uh, uh, the inability to sleep supine or some claustrophobia, uh, because they had to wear a mask, and uh, we had to put a catheter in the patient, so people that were not uh, Used to uh, or they not cannot tolerate this uh, um, this instrumentation, this equipment uh, were not included in the study. Good, thank you. Now, what were the primary findings of your study? Well, uh, so the main outcome of the study, as I said, was the apnea hypopnea index, and uh, in we studied twenty patients in both nights, and uh, basically we saw. Uh, uh, quite a large decrease in the, the number of uh, apneas and hypopneas from placebo to uh, the drug night. Uh, precisely, uh, we saw that uh, if we consider all the patients, uh, we saw a decrease in 16 events per hour or 63%. But uh, it turned out that on placebo night, uh, five patients didn't have uh, um, uh, OSA actually uh, has a very mild degree of OSA. So if we consider the only patient with an HI higher than 10, we had a reduction, a median reduction of uh, 28 events per hour or 74%. And uh, in this uh, subgroup of patients, everybody had uh, at least a reduction of 50% in severity. And this is, uh, uh, to our knowledge, the uh, best result. Uh, ever obtained in any uh, new um, drug tested for sleep apnea. This, uh, um, this reduction was, was, was present in both uh, non-REM and uh, REM sleep. And uh, this is also interesting because um, previously uh, drugs uh, used for sleep apnea sometimes worked only during REM or only during non-REM. And in this case, uh, the combination worked uh, in both stages. Um, for the secondary outcome, uh, we had uh, an increase in the genioglossus muscle responsiveness. So basically, um, uh, there was a, a three-time uh, three uh, improvement of uh, the responsiveness to the respiratory effort uh, when patients um, were taking uh, atomoxetine and oxybutynin compared to placebo. And that uh, uh, is probably the mechanism that caused uh, uh, a reduction in uh, sleep apnea severity. Uh, now, Andrew, uh, you use these two drugs in combination, but I think you have data about uh, them individually. Um, do they reduce apnea hypopnea index uh, when, when the drugs are administered separately? No, um, we did call back um, several people, nine, I think, from the original study to ask if they would do a single night study with the individual drugs. And uh, we didn't see the same effect um, on the single nights with either of the drugs. No change or improvement in the sleep apnea um, severity. So there was something about the combination together that uh, seemed to improve sleep apnea. 
Okay. And Luigi, this is just a single night study, but, but you also have some pilot one week data. Um, can you outline those results? Yes, so um, we also studied uh, six patients only uh, in, a, um, in, a six, uh, in a seven days trial. And uh, the results were similar. Um, as I mentioned before, there was a big drop in the one night study, it was about 63% uh, uh, considering all subjects. And uh, uh, a similar result, uh, a drop in HI uh, by 64% uh, was uh, found also in the, uh, uh, the one-week study. And uh, how well were the medications tolerated? It's just one night, but did you have any side effects? Yeah, we actually uh, collected the um, side effects in both trials. So in the one-night uh, uh, one trial and the one-week study. So for the one night, uh, we had some, uh, a couple of patients out of 20 with uh, dry mouth, that reported dry mouth. Then a couple of uh, men uh, described uh, some difficulty urinating. Uh, one patient complained about the headache in the morning and one patient complained about uh, insomnia. For the one week study, uh, we had uh, more patients, like four out of six uh, complained about dry mouth. In one case, it was uh, kind of severe, uh, and uh, constipation was the second more frequent uh, side effect. Uh, other, other, uh, other side effects uh, were uh, difficulty urinating in one patient, some weird dream uh, in one patient only, and upset stomach, and uh, paresthesia in one patient. Well, Seva, this is clearly very interesting data. Um... What do you see as the limitations of this study if we're going to go forward in terms of uh, wider trials with this? Well, first of all, I would like to emphasize the advantages before we go to limitations because, I mean, this is really first effective therapy uh, uh, we, we, we see. But uh, nevertheless, there is a, uh, several limitations, as you pointed out. First, as, um, obviously, the study is one-night effect. So it remains to be tested whether uh, therapeutic benefits will be sustainable um, over time. Um, the, uh, that's the first thing. Second, um, uh, as uh, Luigi uh, pointed out, um, um, uh, etooxy and, and so did Andrew. Etooxy did not reduce um, arousals, um, and the patients uh, had a low sleep efficiency on the treatment night. It may be related to over-instrumentation, but um, Nevertheless, uh, it still may be attributable to um, atomoxetine. Uh, um, the low arousal threshold is a well-known adverse effect of this drug. The authors argue that uh, oxybutynin uh, counterbalance negative effects, but uh, we don't know whether it will be sustainable um, uh, with the longer time course. Um, uh, another uh, factor is uh, um, REM sleep suppression. So the REM sleep suppression uh, Maybe again, um, a consequence of um, over instrumentation in this uh, clinical physiology study. But we don't know, it could be consequences of anti muscarinic effects, uh, especially of uh, uh, oxybutynin. Um, so, um, and um, finally, um, the both drugs are associated with uh, adverse effects, uh, which are well reported in studies. and. Uh, 
um, the reported uh, the FDA information. Um, atomoxetine is contraindicated in patients with severe cardiovascular morbidity, and uh, it may increase uh, blood pressure as all the noradrenergic drugs and may increase the heart rate in susceptible individuals. Uh, there are also uh, minor side effects. Uh, patient can experience as a noisy, dry mouth, um, fatigue, and uh, um, so far, but oxybutynin um, uh, is contraindicated patient with urinary retention, and uh, that's a big factor that uh, uh, BPH, benign prostate hyperplasia, uh, may be contraindicated for the uh, drug. Most likely is, um, and that has been, uh, you know, excluded um, as well by the investigators. So other uh, factors like glaucoma and gastric motility disorders can be also affected by oxybutynin uh, negatively. Um, nevertheless, uh, uh, there is a subset of patients uh, which uh, this uh, um, uh, combination can be uh, beneficial and the benefits may um, outweigh the uh, potential minor um, effects. So Andrew, clearly the next step is a, is a long-term randomized placebo-controlled double-blind trial, as usual, with a larger number of patients. Um, are you planning this? And if you are, can you share any protocol details? Sure. Um, of course, there needs to be a larger clinical trial to um, confirm the finding, to find the right dosage of the two medications, and to uh, determine its uh, side effect profile and the long-term efficacy. And so we have uh, formed a company to raise money to pay for a phase two study that um, we're beginning right now, actually. And uh, that's going to be uh, in about 150 patients. And they'll take the drugs for uh, uh, 10 days and we'll measure the uh, apnea hypopnea index um, before and after the drugs and uh, on several different doses. And I also wanted to say that, you know, we've been looking for a long time for a pharmacotherapy. And um, we've had lots of negative studies. Um, it's very high risk research. Uh, and there's not many people out there doing it. And you have to do the preclinical work in humans uh, in one night studies or short term studies um, to try to find the right uh, drug or combination of drugs or repurposing of existing drugs. And actually the noradrenergic mechanism has been known for a long time, uh, but hasn't been explored very much. We, if we could get more people uh, trialing drugs, and because there, these, this drug combination may not, there may be some problems with it or some improvements that need to be made, as uh, Siva pointed out. Um, and there may be different phenotypes that respond better to uh, different drugs or, or drugs that may have a little bit more of a sedating property. 
than the two that we have right now. So doing that preclinical work would be very important for the field to try to uh, find better treatments for sleep apnea, which we need to do because there have been uh, recent negative randomized controlled trials because patients can't wear their CPAP devices long enough to see improvements in cardiovascular outcomes or other outcomes. And um, so certainly uh, we see a need for uh, long-term studies to confirm the findings, but we're going back to the drawing board and we'll continue to test drugs in this same class as well as other ones that we may come up with. And a lot of the work that um, Siva's lab is doing at Hopkins as well as Richard Horner's lab in Toronto will uh, give clinicians and human physiologists like Luigi and I more information that we can use to uh, repurpose existing drugs or to try to find new drugs to treat sleep apnea. So this is an area of active research and we're going to continue to uh, explore this area as much as possible. Thank you. That's very helpful. Uh, Sarah, are there any final points you'd like to emphasize about this study? Yeah, um, as I said, it's uh, it's a very important study, but it's only first studies. And as Andrew mentioned, we need uh, multiple different classes. We need multiple classes of medications uh, for sleep apnea. Um, it's very unlikely that the single combination will be good for all. And that's the same what we see in other diseases like hypertension and uh, uh, hypercholesterolemia. They all um, treated with different classes, uh, which uh, um, um, basically suitable for different phenotypes. And uh, with very important work, which Andrew and his group is doing, is phenotyping patients. So, um, so that will allow us to determine uh, which drugs may be optimal for particular phenotype of the patients in clinical practice. And uh, um, more work needs to be done. Well, I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Tranto wellman Polotsky for doing this. Uh, to the listener, to read the article discussed in this podcast, please visit the podcast homepage at www.atsjournals.org. To listen to more episodes of Out of the Blue, visit our page on iTunes or Google Play. Uh, you can also subscribe to stay updated whenever new episodes are available. Uh, thank you again for listening and, and have a great day. Bye.